right, you get your worship guides out. We are in a series. This is the third installment of a series called 2020 Vision. We are in a new year. We are in a new decade. This is a decade of destiny. Can I have an amen? amen. God's going to do some great things in this new year, but it's really, uh, in order for us to have a successful year, we have to have vision. The Bible says without vision, the people cast off restraint. They fall away. They they get sidelined and sidetracked. And a lot of people can't. You set, a, you set a New Year's resolution. Most people don't make it 21 days. It's like 88% don't make it past the 21st day or something like that. It's like when we, and so for us to have a good vision, we learned in week one that vision for your life starts with the vision of Jesus first. Amen. If you weren't there for the first service, you should always listen to the first service of the year because it's, it's usually something special about it kind of points uh, the trajectory of the year. And then the second service, my son preached. Didn't he do a good job last week? Amen. We got a good third generation preacher up in here. And he, he, his message was called, I got plans. And the reason is a lot of us for the new year, we have plans. But the Bible says many of the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purposes that prevail, which basically means we need to line our plans up with his plans for our plans to be successful. Amen. And so today we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna continue talking about these different areas of vision. And I'm going to introduce a story that uh, for many people, uh, first-timers to the faith, all the way to scholars and theologians, is kind of edgy. It's kind of controversial, confusing, uh, because it looks like Jesus is commending or praising dishonesty. And that's not the case. You're going to see that in just a second. But he uses a story about a clever crook to teach us a powerful lesson. So let's look at Luke chapter 16, verse 1. Uh, are you guys tracking with me right now? <clears throat> I sound like Brian Adams today. So if I, if I just bust out in something like, you know, run to you or cuts like a knife, I'm just going to apologize in advance. Jesus said to his disciples, verse 1, a rich man once had a manager. Remember that word manager? That is the focal point of the message. To take care of his business. But he was told that the manager was, the manager was wasting money. So the rich man called him in and said, hey, what is this I hear about you? Tell me what you've done. You are no longer going to work for me. I got a problem with you, son. Okay. And then he says, the manager said to himself, oh my gosh, what am I going to do now? What am I going to do? My master's going to fire me. I can't dig ditches, and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do. Uh, so that people later will welcome me into their homes after I lose my job. Then he did this. One by one, he called people who were in debt to his master in before him, and he asked the first one, hey, how much do you owe my master? A hundred barrels of olive oil, this guy said. And so the manager said, take your bill, sit down, and quickly write 50 instead. 50% discount. The manager asked someone else who was in debt to his master, how much do you owe? He said, a thousand bushels of wheat. The man replied, uh, take your bill, <coughs> excuse me, and write 800. 20% discount. How many know this is pretty good discounts, right? How many know he's not allowed to do this? But he's doing it, okay? So here's what happens. It says the master, who is Jesus, says the master praised this dishonest manager. One translation it says the shrewd manager. Or you could say, I like to say, the clever crook, okay? So he praised this dishonest manager for looking out for himself so well. He says, that's how it is. That's it. That's what my dad used to say. That's it. The people of this world look out for themselves better than the people who belong to the light. Believers versus unbelievers. My disciples, I tell you to use 
wicked wealth, our worldly wealth, to make friends for yourself. That's a controversial statement right there. You want me to buy my friends? What? Then when it is gone, you're going to be welcomed to an eternal home. Anyone who can be trusted with little matters can also be trusted in important matters. But anyone who is dishonest in the little matters will be dishonest in the important matters. If you cannot be trusted with this wicked wealth, worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches or true wealth? And if you cannot be trusted with that which belongs to someone else, who will give you something that will be your own? You cannot be the slave of two masters. You will like one more than the other or be more loyal to one than the other. Check this out. You cannot. It doesn't say you will not. It says you can't serve God and money. We'll stop right there. This is the story about the clever crook. And I want you to see some things that are really quick takeaways right out of the gate. One, Jesus is not praising or um, uh, supporting dishonesty. No, he's commending or praising the shrewdness of this manager. Shrewd, you can write this somewhere in the notes somewhere. Shrewd means smart, strategic, uh, clever, resourceful. Uh, it's a problem solver. And that's what Jesus is focusing on in this guy. Look at how he resolved this problem. Look at how he focused. Look at how he thought about the situation. Here's another quick takeaway in this story that we can see which is interesting and controversial to some people, but I think Jesus used the clever crook on purpose for a little shock value, a little shaka Khan, as I like to say. You know what I mean? Some of you don't know what I'm talking about right now. That's 80s right there. Okay, and so he's trying to just kind of get your attention. What he's trying to teach us is you can learn from anyone if you ask the right questions. See, sometimes, we, we as Christians, sometimes we get so high and haughty, we don't think we can learn from anybody unless they're a Bible-believing you know, tongue-talking, tithing, whatever, person. Listen, you can learn from anyone if you ask the right questions. God's showing this in this story right here. No, I don't know about that, Pastor. I'm feeling a little edgy. I can feel your edginess. Let me just ask you a question. If you were sick and you had to have, God forbid, a surgery, let's just say, for the sake of a nice story, it was a benign tumor that had to be removed. You wouldn't go sit down with that doctor, and the first questions you would ask would not be, have you read your Bible today? Are you a Christian? No, that wouldn't be your first question. Your first question would be, have you ever done this before? You know what I'm saying? You want to know, is he going to be successful? I don't care if he cheated on his taxes or his wife. I want to know, is he a good surgeon? You can learn from somebody who doesn't believe like you, think like you. You can learn something. That's something that's in this story. Is everybody with me? So if, if, here's another thing that I think the reasons for this story, and I think they're significant as well, is I think, it, maybe you don't realize this contextually, but Jesus is speaking to Pharisees, and he's speaking to us as believers in this story. So I think Jesus typically will do two things uh, to those two groups of people. One, I think Jesus always likes to afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. In other words, if you're comfortable... He's going he's gonna to try to create a little pain for you so you can grow. If you're afflicted, he's going to try to create a little comfort so you can, you can go, so you can make progress. Is everybody with me? So he's talking to the Pharisees in the story who are arrogant, prideful, hyper-religious, and more importantly, hypocritical. They say things that they don't do. In fact, look in your notes at Luke chapter 16, this 14 and 15. It's the last two verses I didn't read. It says the Pharisees dearly loved what? They loved money. And so when they heard 
what Jesus was talking about, they made fun of him. You can only sometimes, you have to tear people down to keep yourself up sometimes. That's what they're doing. But Jesus told them, you're always making yourselves look good, but God sees what's in your heart. And then he says this, he says, the things that are most important are worthless as far as God is concerned. See, what's most important to many people, it's not important to God at all. What's, what's most important to people in the world today? It's things like power, pleasure, you know, possessions. See how I did that, all those P words? Status, salary, stuff. <laughs> Sex. Okay, see? But God's saying those aren't important. But the world says those things are important. God's going to, he always wants to flip our value system for our benefit. He also, he, we serve an upside-down kingdom, everything. You know, the greatest among you, the servant of all, right? Everything's kind of different through God's lens. So the last phrase is, <clears throat> you know, most people, what they think are important is worthless. Most people have different things that they focus on. We're not, we're not supposed to conform to the pattern of the world, the Bible says in Romans 12, but be different. And, and so here's, here's what I want you to see. This message is not a giving message. It's not a generosity message. It's really even less a money message. It's more, write this down for your big idea, it's more a huge perspective change on our finances and on our resources. This particular message, more, I think one of the things that matures people, if you want to grow in your faith, I think you got you to become a servant leader. I think you want to become a giver. I think you need to learn about the spirit-filled life. But stewardship, this is one of those majors that will mature you as a Christ follower, if you can see this right. So if you can see yourself uh, uh, as, a, as a steward, as a manager, as a renter versus an owner, it will radically change every part of your life. You will see your time differently. You will see relationships differently and have an intentionality with them that you didn't before. You will see your finances differently. You'll see, you'll see your mind differently. You won't waste your mind on foolish things. You will see your body differently and how if you saw yourself as a steward and not an owner, you would behave and be a different person. Is everybody with me right now? So as I talk about this, I'm particularly talking about resources, but don't assume you know where I'm going. This isn't just about making sure the money's in the right place and things balance out and you're balling on a budget and all that sort of thing. It's about reordering your finances to reflect vision as God sees finances. You see finances through his lens, not through uh, your own eyes. And when you do, when you reorder your finances, God, something supernatural happens in your finances as a result of that. God, listen, we, some of you know this, some of you may not, but when you're generous, uh, when you sow, you, can, you can't reap unless you sow. A farmer has seed and doesn't say, oh, this is all the seed I have. He knows there'll be no harvest if he doesn't plant that seed in the ground. So we know that. You have to give, uh, give uh, you know, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. We, got, we want to be givers. We know there's a blessing there. But sometimes we don't see there's a, there's a connection or it's tethered to stewardship. You can give till the cows come home. But if you're a bad steward, you won't be blessed. I believe that I am blessed in the vision of which... 
I have auspices and authority within the church. The vision within my home and family proportionate to my generosity and my stewardship of what God has given me. Is everybody with me right now? Are you paying attention, church? Okay, so I hope you're with me. So that's one reason <coughs> you should listen to this because you'll be more blessed as a result. Another reason you should listen to this, I would say subordinated to that, is if you want to have a worry-free life with your finances. Has anybody ever experienced any stress financially? Raise your hand. Is anybody not raising your hand? You're a liar. Okay, no, just kidding. Okay. So, So if you want some stress to get off of you, it's not that you need more of something material. It's need, it means you need a different view or mindset about money in the first place. Is everybody with me? Money is the number one cause of stress. Money is the number one cause of divorce. It's not till uh, death do us part. It's till debt do us part today. All right? So I want to give you a different, uh, almost like some God glasses to put on, a different set of values or perspective changes that we need to make. Write this down. Number one, you are a manager, not an owner, which fundamentally means it's all God's. Everybody say it's all his. Okay. Psalm uh, 24 says, uh, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Psalm 50 says, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. 1 Corinthians 10, 26 says, uh, the earth is the Lord's and all it contains. New Testament, which I love. And so that, met, gentlemen, that metal thing that you drove to, to church today, that, that metal thing, that's, that's God's ore that made that possible. I don't care if it's a Chevrolet or a Denali or a Mercedes, you know, or a bucket. Whatever it is that you came to church today with, that's God's metal. Is everybody with me? Ladies, that little bling on, in your ring, that diamond, if you have a diamond, you have a pendant, you have an earring, whatever, that diamond, that's God's coal, everybody. The house that you live in, that's from God's earth. Is everybody with me right now? It all, the paper that you hold on to sometimes or let go so quickly that we call money, that comes from God's trees, everybody. No, 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 Pastor, you don't understand. I worked hard for what I got. I worked, these hands, I work hard. No, it is he who gave you the power to get wealth, the Bible says. Can I have a better amen here? Okay? So it's all from God. See, write this down. What you think you own is really on loan. Whatever you think you own, it's on loan. Somebody else had it before you, and after you die, 80, 70, 80, 90, 100 years, God bless you if you do, it's going to go to somebody else. You won't take it with you. There's no hearses going to heaven with everything you own in them. Right, somebody? So you don't own a thing. It's all on loan. So as a result, you're, everything's under management. Everything's under management. In a sense, to, to see this right, you have to resign as the, board, the CEO of the board of directors of your life, and you have to put Jesus as the CEO of your life. This is what we call in Christianity the lordship of Jesus Christ. He's lord of all, or he's not lord at all. And if you want to be blessed, and if you want to live a worry-free life, you want to come under his management and see yourself not as an owner, but as a manager or as a steward. Are you with me, everybody? Okay, so that, what's so great about that is if you see everything you own as a gift from God, from him, like, it's, it's so much different. Like, I don't know, I have a lot of kids, and, and they've all had, at one time or another, a fender bender. And recently, I got a call from my youngest daughter. She, she, praise God, she was safe and sound, but she had an accident, totaled her car, totaled her car. 
Thank you for the angels that were dispatched, Lord, to protect her. But because I'm a renter, a, a manager, and a steward, I said, God, how are you going to pay for this? How are you going to pay for this? This is your car. It's not my car. You guys get me, getting what I'm saying right now? Some of you got a bunch of kids, and they got teeth going north, south, east, west, and, and you're thinking, they all say, I need braces. I need braces. You know, I, I, I just, just keep them ugly, because then you won't have problems with them later on, with dating and all that kind of stuff that comes up later. But, but, but I would just go to God. I'd go, God, these are your kids. I'm just managing them. I'm just managing them. How are you going to pay for this? How do you want to pay for these braces, God? What do you want to do? How do you want to do this? See, the worry, it's a, it's a mindset and a perspective shift. You can live a worry-free life with your finances. Uh, when you're a renter and not a landlord, when there's a problem in your home or in your situation, who do you call? The landlord, because he's responsible. Isn't that cool? But isn't it interesting also, I'll flip it around, he's the Lord of the land. Do you have a landlord? For everything? I hope so. See, write this down. If I'm in charge, I'm responsible. But if I'm not in charge, praise God, somebody else is responsible. And so this ownership thing, how well, here's a question, how well are you taking care of his stuff, his property, his gifts that he gave you? Number two, write this down. God is using money to test me too. God is using money to test me. God God's smart. He's a good businessman. He's just not going to give you everything all up front. God owns, he owns everything. So he's the richest person in the universe. He's not just going to give it to you. He's going to give you a certain amount if he's smart, and he's going to see what you do with that. It'd be like whoever, pick a really, really rich person. Let's say you're a child of Warren Buffett. And uh, I, would really struggle, I would really struggle with that last name. But anyway, um, but if you were the child of Warren Buffett, um, and he comes to his kid and says, hey, uh, all this that I got, it it's all can be yours one day, but not yet. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a little bit, and I'm going to see what you do with that little bit. And then when you do good with that, I'm going to give you a little bit more. And if you do good with that, I'm going to give you a little bit more. And, and then one day, here's the keys to the store. It's all yours. That's my goal for you, but I have to see how you do. Doesn't that make sense? Why wouldn't God do the same thing with us if you see it all right? Is everybody with me right now? So God's favorite tool to test us is with our treasures, is with our resources. Write this down. Money shows what I love most, too. In Matthew 6, 21, it says, where your treasure is, there, everybody say there, there the desires of your heart will also be. So basically, it doesn't matter what you say you love most. It's where you show what you love most that matters. Your heart will be wherever you invest. My family owns a bunch of Kias in our family, Kia cars. And so because we own a bunch of Kias, we care about how Kia is doing. Amen. Can I have an amen? The general manager's right over here, so he said amen first. <laughs> he was the quickest one to say amen, okay? I buy all my cars from him. But what I'm trying to get you to see is where your treasure is, it's automatic that your heart would be. So if you're struggling in your faith in some way, you feel stagnant, you feel like you plateaued, you, everything's just, you're not moving forward, you're not growing, invest, invest in that area and your heart will change. Your heart will change. It's automatic. It can't help but do that. Is everybody with me? That's what the Bible's saying. How much stock do you have in God's kingdom? 
Think about it. Write this down. Money shows if I trust God. Money shows if I trust God. This is a great scripture. Proverbs 11, 28 says, trust in your money and down you go. But the godly flourish like leaves in spring. See, money is the acid test of faith. People say, I believe. People say things like this. I'm not going to do a message on this, but people say, I believe in the tithe. (laughs) I always follow up with a question. Do you practice the tithe? Because a lot of people say we believe something. You can say something all you want. How many know faith without action is it's dead? It's dead. It's dead. So if you're not, again, if you're not growing, then it's because you're not, you're not following what God says. Here's another one. Money shows if, if, if God can trust me. Money shows if I trust God, but money shows if God can trust me. This is a huge message in this story. Verse 10 and 12 of Luke 16. Look what it says. Anyone who can be trusted in a little can be trusted in a lot. But anyone who's dishonest in a little is going to be dishonest in important things that come up. So if you can't be trusted with worldly wealth, spending, investing, stewardship, who's going to trust you with ultimate wealth, true wealth, true, uh, you know, riches? And if you cannot be trusted with what belongs to someone else, who's going to give you something that becomes uh, your own? See, God is watching us in our stewardship. He's watching you. He's seeing how you manage your calendar, your checkbook, your cash. He's seeing how you manage your body, your thoughts, your your mouth, your gifts, your ability, your time, your opportunity. He's watching all of that. And he's saying, if you can put it all under me, it will change what you do for me, and you'll be blessed. You'll be blessed. You'll be blessed proportionate uh, to your stewardship. Before you get, write this down, before you get spiritual power, God tests you with material possessions. God tests you with the material before you get the supernatural. It's it's an axiom. He uses that. He's saying, I've got something on this side of heaven right now that I'm trying to do through you. Out-of-control finances, son, mean out-of-control life. They are connected. And I'm trying to see, son, if you're going to squander the blessings that I give you. And I'm not going to give you more blessings if you continue to squander them. So sometimes we're petitioning God saying, help me, help me, help me. And he's saying, I'm looking to see what you do with what I already gave you. It's connected. Everybody there? And so this is, this is a big part of our life. There's a direct connection between maturity and money. Maturity and money. Big part. Uh, write this down. Number three. <coughs> money is a tool to be used for God's purposes. Money is a tool. It's a tool. Luke 16, 9 says it like this. My disciples, I tell you, use. Everybody say use. This is crazy. Use money to make friends. What? What is he talking about? Before we get to that friendship part, I think we first need to see something about money. Money, some people say money's evil. No, the Bible doesn't say money's evil. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 6, the love of money is the root of evil. Money, write this down, is neutral. It's neutral. You decide its direction by the spirit you put on it by what you do with it. If you do it to be a blessing, if you do it under the management of God, 
then that which is neutral has blessing on it. If you do it, like you can use money to launch hope centers in the Dominican Republic, to take sponsor kids in another part of the world, to make sure there's food in God's house, as it says in the Bible in the book of Malachi, by being a tither, by presenting an offering for legacy so the vision of God can continue. You can use money for that, or you can use money to finance a drug cartel. Money is just neutral, depending on what you do with it. Is everybody with me right now? Okay? We must use it fundamentally to love people. Amen. To love people. If you don't, if you're called to love people and use money. If you don't love people, you'll use, you'll love money and use people. Is everybody with me? So if you have the stewardship thing right, it will make sure that the focus is right as well. We're called to love people and use money. Money's just a tool. It's a tool. It's a test. Uh, Andy Stanley used to say it's a trademark. It shows who we belong to as well. It's kind of a cool thought. So we're not supposed to just hoard it, stockpile it, uh, consume it all uh, uh, for ourselves. I heard one person say money's like manure. If you spread it all around, everything grows. If you put it in a big pile, it stinks. That's funny. I don't care what you guys say, but anyway, okay? You can use money for different things. You can use money to save time. See, a lot of, time, a lot of, a lot of times you're not seeing your time right. You're not stewarding your time well. Every hour, you, you'll never get time back, but you can get money back. That's a guarantee. So you could, you, when, you, when you make a point to sit down and watch a, a stupid TV program, Versus being intentional and talking to your wife or spending time with the Lord or reading a book that will help you grow spiritually or getting out and going visiting somebody in person. Remember this. You'll never get that hour back. Use your money to save time. Use your money to save people, which we'll talk about in just a little bit. Use your money to honor God. Show who you belong to. There's a lot of different ways we can use money, but many of us don't see it the right way. The shrewd manager, even though he was crooked, he saw some things that I think we, as children of the light believers, need to know. He, he, he looked ahead. In fact, in verse 3, it says, what am I going to do now? Once he knew he was going to lose his job, immediately he's like, i got to think ahead. What am I going to do? So i got to maximize this little bit of time and this little bit of opportunity I have right now because in just a short while, my end is coming, and I need to make sure that on the other side of losing my job, I'm going to be okay. And I could be welcomed into other people's home. That is a natural uh, picture of what Jesus is trying to show us on an eternal basis. I'll, I'll unpack that as we go forward. So he looked ahead. We're not looking ahead when it comes to our resources. We're not forecasting our future when it comes to our finances. We are, the average saving in America is abysmal right now. In Europe, the average saving per person is 12% of their income, total income. In Japan, it's 25%. They save. In America, it's minus 1%, the most affluent country uh, in the world. You know why? Because we're all owners. We're all owners. You know what we got? We got a teenage problem. You ever had a teenager in your house before? You know what I'm talking about right now? <laughs> teenagers think, it's my house. And you know what I want to tell those teenagers when they start acting like that? This ain't your house. <laughs> You're going to get kicked out of this house at some point. And nobody's going to cry when you leave. We're going to celebrate when you leave. 
I think we're a bunch of teenagers, everybody. Is everybody with me? Proverbs 14.8 says, the wise man looks ahead. The fool attempts to fool himself, and he won't face the facts. Sometimes we're not facing the facts about our financial picture. Another reason I think God uses this clever crook is because he made a plan. He says, you know what I'm going to do? He had a financial plan. I'm going to cut costs. I'm going to reduce debt. I'm gonna, why? Because then I'll have favor in my situation. And he also, he acted quickly. Uh, he says, I know what I'll do. When I lose my job here, because I want people later to help me, he's thinking, he's thinking ahead. He's planning. He's acting quickly. Now, what's so, so amazing about this whole situation is it has, again, eternal implications. And we'll see that in these next two points. Number four, right, or number whatever it is, six, write this down. The best use of money is to get people into heaven. This is very countercultural, okay? This verse messed me up years ago. I didn't understand what it meant. It says in verse 9, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself. He's talking about clearly about building relationships. So that when the money's gone, they, those people that you, that you invested in, they'll welcome you personally in eternal dwellings. It's talking about heaven. So here's what's going on. Track with me for a second. How you use your resources has eternal implications according to the scripture. The best use of your money is to help people get to heaven. So there's something you can do on this side of eternity that helps people get on the other side of eternity. And when you do, let's say tithe, bring offerings, manage your money so you have margins to help people who are in need. You're not supposed to just consume it all. You're supposed to be blessed so you can be a blessing according to Genesis chapter 12, verse 2. Is everybody with me? So when you live like that and steward that well, one day you're going to die. I have an announcement for everybody online. I have an announcement for everybody who's watching and everybody in this room. Hey, everybody, you're going to die. Praise God. I'm so glad I came to church today and I brought a friend. You're all going to die. The Bible says it's appointed unto every man to die. When you die, save, I hope you know Jesus, because one day you're going to stand before him. Once that's settled, that you're in good standing with his son, there's going to be people, as you approach heaven, there's going to be people there waiting, and the Bible's saying they're going to welcome you. So what's going to happen is going to be like, hey, PD, what's going on? That's him, that's him, that's him, that's him. PD, PD, come here, come here, come here, come here. Oh my gosh, we are so excited to meet you because of what you did. I got saved. Kids, come up here. They don't, he doesn't even know. He doesn't even know what happened because I got saved. You guys got saved, so get over here. Stand next to me. And then <laughs> PD, PD, all these kids got saved. All these people got, all that money you sent to the mission field. Do you know what that did? And all these kids come up and all these other people come up. It's going to be because you used your worldly wealth here. God did something eternally there. And the Bible says they will welcome you into heaven. Can I have an amen right now? That's what's going to happen. That's what this Bible is saying to me. So you can use your affluence now to increase your influence then. Amen. Next point. Write this down. Write this down. I hope you're using your world 